You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up, and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. When it comes to leadership, I often think of the way in which we respond to difficult situations because that's what leaders do. We're problem solvers or we mobilize um, people to find a solution for a problem or a challenge. But there are different response styles and it's important to understand which style we typically respond with. Um, Most of us will have heard of fight and flight uh, in high school, that if you're dealt with a difficult situation, you either run away from it or you stand up to it. Um, But there are actually six different stress response profiles, if you will. And and the first, the most common is avoidance, that whenever I'm faced with a difficult situation, oh, if at all possible, if I don't have to deal with this, um, that would be better. But every time we don't actually face our fear or deal with the situation, it actually increases. So in other words, our anxiety uh, becomes larger. The second most common response is aggressive. It's, uh, I will confront that issue. And and look, Jesus, he confronted every issue um, that he came across, but did so in love and and with peace, except for once with a righteous anger. Um, But confrontation in our modern day and age is often aggression. It's like, how dare you? Or this is my seat and you're in my seat, whatever it might be, Um, which you'll often actually see on an airplane. I think it's funny to people watch traveling. I don't know why people are so afraid of flying, maybe because the place that we depart from is called terminal. Maybe that's got something to do with it. But if you've ever watched people when flying and they're walking down the aisle of the, the, the plane, they've got their ticket stub in their hand and they see their number and, and lo and behold, you'll always see somebody who's got the same seat number or there's a confusion. And, and, and the first response is, of course, avoidance. You know, it's like uh, the person looks around and, oh, there's a spare seat. I'll just go take that one so as to avoid any conflict. But the second is, just as you said, aggressive. Hey, you're in my seat. So they're the first two, but there's already a third because for the person who take a seat over there and and avoided the conflict, well, what do you think is going to happen next? Well, somebody else inevitably comes along and says, hang on, you're in my seat. And now, previously they were passive, they become aggressive and they're like, where am I supposed to sit? That person's in my seat. (laughs) Why didn't you just say that in the first place? Look, that's already three different stress response profiles, but where's the leader who says, oh, looks like we've been given the same seat number. Look, you stay there. I'll check with the hostess because maybe she'll bump me up to first class and take a problem and turn it in to an opportunity. What kind of stress response profile do you have? According to scientific studies, even though there are six of them, we don't need to cover all six, there's just one that you need to be aware of. It's called autonomy taking responsibility for whatever situation, not blaming somebody, including not blaming yourself, but rather asking the question, so what am I gonna do about it? This is where we are, I accept where we are, but now how can I move forward? Good leaders, if you wanna make an impact, you have to be disciplined, but you cannot be disciplined unless you are organized, and you cannot be organized unless you are prioritized. It kind of reminds me of a passage of scripture where Jesus is ministering to the people. It's found in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 7. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed in about the word of God, pressing into Jesus to hear more, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing on the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had already gone from their boats and were washing their nets. 
So he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked Simon, hey, can you pull out a little from the land? And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. But when he'd stopped talking, he said to Simon, hey, launch out now into the deep and let down your nets. But Simon responded by saying, but master, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught such a great number of fish that their net was breaking so that they signaled to their partners, come with the other boat and help us. And they filled both boats so full of fish that the boats began to sink. Whenever I read this passage, especially from the New King James, there's something, the slightest, tiniest little thing that's worth teasing out. And that is that Jesus said, hey, Simon, pull out into the deep and let down your nets. And Simon says, but Jesus, we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. But if you say so, at your word, I will let down the net. Jesus said, let down the nets, plural. But Simon just let down the net. And as a result, the net was starting to break. He had to call in reinforcements to help him get these fish into the boat. And, and at the end of the day, the boat started sinking. You see, when it comes to leadership, nets are leaders. We need more leaders. We need to multiply our leaders. The boat is the church. And of course, the fish are the people. Fish get put into boats so that they can then be brought into a place of cleaning, making them ready for the kingdom marketplace. Uh, it's not just about bringing fish into the boat. It's not just about bringing people into church. It's about cleaning people so that they're ready for the marketplace because otherwise the boat's just going to stink as the fish start to rot. So we need to get organized and multiply the number of leaders that we have, let down the nets to it so as to share the load so that the nets don't break and that the boats don't sink. We don't want to see churches go under. It kind of reminds me of um, a passage of history where Genghis Khan um, had this grandson, Kublai Khan, who ended up creating the largest empire known to the history of the world. Um, larger than the Roman Empire, larger than the Greek, larger than all other, uh, all other empires. This is the largest that was. But a little known fact, his mother was a Christian. And uh, he was fascinated by this Jesus guy and so intrigued by this particular way of life. So when the missionaries came, not the missionaries, but the, you know, the, the, the travelers, the, the guys like Marco Polo, um, he said, I would like you to go back to, to Rome and send a message to, to the Pope, Pope Francis. Send as many missionaries as you possibly can, uh, and I will give them safe passage throughout the known kingdom, throughout the known world, the largest kingdom, all throughout um, Asia. And I'll give them safe passage so that we can spread this good news about Jesus, this gospel. But Pope Francis responded by saying, oh, look, we're fighting the wars. We've got the crusades going on in the Middle East right now. I can't spare any, any missionaries. So he sent two, two young priests who turned back halfway uh, along the journey to Asia and when the word got back to Kublai Khan that, yeah, Pope Francis, uh, he only sent two and those two never actually even arrived. He's like, what? Well, if this is how much your Jesus means to you, that you don't even care whether or not this good news message gets out, well, stuff you and gave the same opportunity to the Buddhists. And now throughout most of Asia, Buddhism is a stronghold. 
What? Like there was an opportunity of a lifetime to advance the kingdom of God, but because of you know, limited insight, just let down the net or just two guys instead of let's seize the opportunity. I, I, I don't know about you, but I think that opportunity is, is represented here today in Europe again. Uh, I look out throughout Europe. There's no shortage of fish in the sea. There are plenty of people out there, but we need to multiply our leaders. If you're a leader, ask yourself um, some of the following questions. Uh, what does it mean to you to be a leader, first and foremost? Is it that you are a problem solver and that you have authority or that you're able to you know, make decisions um, that impact other people? Or is it that you are actually modeling and mentoring, grooming, raising, equipping and empowering somebody else who ultimately could replicate you? Not to replace you, but to reinforce you, to say, all right, I'm going to come alongside. Like, like in a scrum, there's going to be more of us than just one of us. But that person, to replicate you, to truly repeat what you did, would be for them to go one step further and also find other leaders to raise, equip, empower, model, and mentor too. So here's the challenge. If you're a leader, how many are you leading? Not in a single layer in terms of I lead 10 people. No, I mean in terms of how many layers deep. So if you are mentoring one, are they mentoring one? And are they mentoring one? My observation is you're not a real leader until there's three layers of leadership beneath you. So that we have people leading people leading people. Uh, this is often referred to as, as, a, as a deep bench where there are reinforcements for the reinforcements. So leadership is not just about, well, I got put into the position and I can make the decisions and I can help problem solve. No, part and parcel of our responsibility, multiplication. How do we do this? Take responsibility, autonomy. Don't be passing the buck, avoiding or cr criticizing or, or blaming somebody else, but rather I'm in charge. So what am I going to do about it? And not only that, but hey, we've got a great opportunity out there. There's so many fish. So how many people can I potentially mentor? Because if I can mentor one who can mentor one who can mentor one, okay, that's, that's a, that's a you know, great trifecta. You've got the Trinity happening. But what if you could mentor 10? Who those people could then also mentor 10. And then they could mentor 10. Now, well, hey, now we're multiplying um, our leadership capacity. And that, to me, is what leadership is all about. If you want to do it and do it really well, remember what we started with, the psychological principle. You need to be disciplined. Scripture, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, um, killer scripture says, look, a person who can discipline themselves, I think it's verse 32, they're stronger than a warrior who can conquer a city. But that's almost encouraging and discouraging because it suggests, hey, if we can actually learn to discipline ourselves, we'll become like a warrior, but discouraging because the scripture is almost suggesting, uh-huh, easier for you to conquer a city than it is for you to conquer yourself. So if we're going to be disciplined, we need to be organized. Sometimes we're creative and we go, well, no, no, I need the chaos. It fuels and, and energizes my creativity. Actually, it's, it's not right. Creativity is birthed out of organization. The more organized you are, the more margin you have. The more margin you have, the more spontaneous you can be, the more creative you can be. So if you want to be disciplined, get 
organized. Ask yourself, what are the areas of my life that I could improve in when it comes to organization? And if you are being honest with yourself, you'll recognize there are some things that are a little bit out of whack because your time is consumed with other meaningless, not as in they have no meaning, but they're less meaningful than other things. And so we need to prioritize. There is the trifecta. You want to be disciplined? Make sure you get organized. But in order to be organized, you need to be prioritized. So ask yourself, what are the areas of my life that I need to be more prioritized in? When do I actually go ahead and, and, and commit to prayer? When's my learning time? It's not because, well, I once studied. No, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm developing new, new concepts, new insights so that I can pay it forward, taking the responsibility. I hope these few thoughts and these few questions are encouraging to you. It's a little bit of a stretch. Sometimes it can be challenging because all too often we don't want to face our challenges or sometimes we do face our challenges. But really, look, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're aggressive, anger is just fueled by anxiety. And anxiety is the same thing as avoiding. Don't, let's not avoid or get angry or confront um, in a hostile way. Just let's take responsibility, the responsibility for ourselves. Let's be disciplined. Let's get organized and let's prioritize to make sure that we don't end up with the same situation like Pope Francis, Kublai Khan, but that rather we can now multiply our leaders. How many layers? At least three deep, three layers deep. Who are you mentoring that's mentoring somebody who's mentoring somebody? And now we can create an army to help together advance God's kingdom and bring him glory in everything that we do. Hope these few thoughts and few questions were helpful. God bless. 